we discussed the fact that that biblically, when you look at the, the scriptures, there's there's a variety of ways that we can see people. You can see people as threats; they're enemies. And when you see them as threats, you're automatically going to go into defensive posture, and you're going to uh, you know, try to protect yourself. You can see people as a kind of resource to consume. You just you use people. Or third, you can see people as uh, just invisible nobodies. Ignore them. Ignore them and they go away. Or the last uh, perspective is that of Christ. We see people through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And that means that they're objects of the love and grace of God. Funny story. Um, you know, I do a community group, Old Testament community group. We're walking through the, uh, the Old Testament scriptures. Matt and Laura McCormick are part of that. And if you know Matt McCormick, he's just a nut anyway. So we were, we were talking and at the community group, and Matt spoke up and told the story, and Laura jumped in. Matt was driving, they were in the car together, and Matt was very frustrated at the way people were driving. And so Matt began to spout off about the stupid people, et cetera, et cetera. And Laura said, don't you remember what Chris talked about Sunday morning, that we should see people as objects of the love and grace of God. And he stopped and he prayed and he said, Lord, help me to see these dumb, dumb drivers through your eyes. So to hear their version of the story, it was so cute. And I appreciate that. Today, uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up and talk about influence. What does it mean to have influence? What does that look like? And um, because this is really where our faith goes. It goes to the place where we begin to develop a mature and interest. Does anybody know this guy, these guys? Anybody? <clears throat> I'll tell you the story. It's 2004 in the Ukraine. 2004. And we have, uh, uh, there's a lot of unrest in the Ukrainian uh, government in Kiev. Viktor Yushchenko, this is Viktor Yushchenko on the left. And he is running for, he's kind of the Cinderella story, and he's running for the presidency, all right? Now, he is gaining so much popularity that the ruling party, the dominant, controlling, ruling party tried to assassinate him. The, the, the nicer-looking guy, that's him. Uh, Galen, they poisoned him with the oxen, and it resulted in disfigurement, discoloration, the pocking of the skin. They tried to assassinate him, and the guy wouldn't quit. The guy was tough. For one, his dad was arrested and was a POW in Auschwitz. So this kid knew about endurance and suffering. And so uh, Yachenko decided to run. When the, uh, when the election results were playing out, this is what, this is what happened. The, uh, the news broke out, and the, the state-owned media began to promote the lie that he was decidedly defeated. And this little lady on the bottom right hand of the screen, her name is Natalia Dimitrik. Natalia is a sign language specialist, and she was signing for the Ukrainian deaf community, and she knew that was a lie. And so she refused to sign it. In fact, she signed, this is a lie, this is not true. 
please tell your friends. And all of a sudden, the deaf community lights up their cell phones and is texting everyone. Journalists get involved. They get inspired by this idea of telling the truth and standing for what's right. And it led to what is called the Orange Revolution in the Ukraine. And at that time, hundreds of thousands of people donning you know, orange jackets, orange-colored garments, went to Kiev and pressured the government for a new election, and this man won. Because that little lady in that little tiny box on the screen decided she would not sign a lie, but she would sign the truth, and that led to the Orange Revolution in the Ukraine. Uh, during that process, by the way, uh, later on, you're familiar with what happened with Russia and the um, annexing of Crimea. This guy here, this is Nathan Weitzel. Nathan Weitzel. So this is, this is pretty tough on this story. Um, another story about influence here. Nathan is 31 years of age. He's now about 33. He's from T uh, Centennial, Colorado. And he deliberately tried to kill his infant son. This is what he did. This is August 2016. He drove his Acura sedan at 75 miles an hour into an area with a bunch of parked cars, leaving his child unbuckled, thinking that that would kill the little boy. Okay, the results, that the little boy had a broken leg, a concussion, and a cut on the forehead resulting in 20 stitches. They arrested Weitzel, and reportedly he told the authorities that the reason why I wanted to kill his son was because being a father was a big responsibility. And he didn't think he was man enough to raise a child. Now how's that for influence? This guy didn't think he was man enough to raise a child. Wow. Oxford Dictionary says that influence is the capacity to affect a difference to literally adjust or to literally create a different outcome because you have influence. You can make a difference in someone's lives. I want to read some scriptures about influence and then I want to turn it over to you. So this is Acts 4, 13 to 22. And we've covered this before, but I want you to pay attention to part two to the story. Now, as they observe, these are the ruling authorities, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, unlettered men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. When they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, but so that it will not spread any further among the people that us to warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. Of course, it's the name of Jesus. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. How's that for influence? We can't stop talking about 
what we have seen and heard. Now, that's part one to the story. Well, there's a second arrest. They're arrested again because they won't shut up. They won't be quiet and they won't stop talking. Now, in verse 27, chapter 5, now when they brought them, they stood them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we gave you strict orders to not continue teaching in this name. And yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. That's part two to the story. They were arrested twice. And Peter stood his ground. We must obey God rather than men, which is a recasting of the same conviction. You know, whether it's right in the sight of God that we obey him or obey, obey man, you know, you judge. But as for us, we're going we're gonna to continue to talk about what God has done. No compromise. So look at this. This is Philippians 2. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. In the Greek language suggests that that's the beauty of constellations holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. And then Paul in Colossians writes, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. What are your thoughts on influence? You're the gifted body of Christ. There's actually many, many scriptures that address the issues of influence and what, what it looks like. Paul said in Romans, bless those who persecute you. He said, pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. What do you think keeps us from having kingdom influence? Influence regarding the kingdom of God. Um, what do you think? You're the body of Christ. As God's Spirit lives inside of you, as you walk with the Lord, counsel us. How can we, as the church, have influence? What would you say? Chris, I think part of what the church globally, just the church generally speaking, uh, we forgot, we have forgotten our why. Help me to know what that means. Um, I think oftentimes we're told what we should do and what we shouldn't do, but we forget why we should or shouldn't do those things. And I oftentimes refer to that as we, and I think you've heard me say this, we don't consider anything that has to do with the eternal outcome. Yeah. We, we forget that whatever we might say or might not say, may have a direct eternal influence in that person's life that we're actually responding to or addressing. Yeah. And so we forget 
why we're doing what we do. Yeah. We get yeah. centered like you've been teaching us. Uh, we get yeah. self-centered focus mm -hmm. rather than Christ-centered focus. Yeah. yeah, exactly, Randy. You nailed it. Um, I, I have this hunch, Randy, that if we could somehow survey the church proper coast to coast, that a vast majority of them would not believe in a in a devastatingly horrible outcome called hell, or this this truly blissful place called heaven. I think for many people, many so-called Christians, those are nice novel ideas that there's this beautiful place with streets of gold, <clears throat> but it's not literal. And we've even taken it to the point that. Uh, we're so uncomfortable with the idea of eternal punishment that uh, a lot of preachers just soften it down to say, well, what hell really is is the absence of God, which is so much softer. And then, and then he says, and isn't that the ultimate misery? You know? and, and so, yeah, the pulp, well, well, you know, a weak pulpit isn't certainly going to help the matter. So. <clears throat> but the fact is, uh, Jesus believed himself in an absolutely horrific place called hell. And when he described it, he did not indicate at all that he was describing a metaphorical, allegorical, symbolic idea. He wasn't. And he believed, and he believed the same about him. That it's not just some mythic principle at all. And, so, and we don't like that. We don't. But if we believe the whole truth about the absence of God and it's just the absence of God, if we believe the whole truth, and we believe Scripture when it talked about talks about the depravity of the human heart, mm. and we believe Scripture when it says that the Holy Spirit restrains evil, and that at the end He is going to withdraw His hand, if we believe that and understood that, hell is the, the absence of God. Yeah, it is going to be. It would be horrendous here. Oh, yeah, live here and now on earth. Oh, my goodness, yes. Second Thessalonians. As, yeah. <clears throat> the man of lawlessness comes, and without being restrained, what's going to happen? But we sure. don't, we don't, if we just believed that, it would scare us to death. Yeah, agreed. Whether we believe that what Jesus says about hell or sure. not. Sure, sure, yeah. But this whole thing of influence, I just, you know, if we just, Part of it for me is as the the church as a whole, the individuals, we don't really know our God. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we come to church on Sunday morning and let someone from in your position from up front tell us, and I'm not saying this about sure, you, sure. But, but by and large, tell us what to believe, what scripture says, and mm -hmm. one, two, three, this is how you live that out. Mm -hmm. Instead of being in God's word, seeing who he is for ourselves, letting the Holy Spirit reveal himself and the whole trinity to us so that we mm -hmm. see who God really is. Because, um, And then, I don't know, I guess I was just surprised when I began reading scripture, not looking for do's and don'ts, just looking to see God mm -hmm. and understanding 
God is God, I'm not, and when I see things that don't fit my little image of who he should be as a loving, good God, that I'm wrong, scripture's right, and I, I don't, I don't, it just, it changes you when you see the God of scripture <clears throat> Because you hear people say the God of the Old Testament was just mean and vindictive. Right. Well, the God of the Old Testament is the God that hung on that tree for us, and he's still the same. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember somebody asked me one time, what would you say to somebody who said that? And I said, I would say to them, read the New Testament, because that's the same God. He doesn't yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. And he's not. Um, but I just think if we, if we, when we really get to know our God, the more we know him, the more we seek his face and see him, the more we're going to live the way he has called us to live and, then, and the more influence that we will have. Yeah, yeah that's so good. That's so good. Someone else, why does this matter? What about kingdom influence in our lives? Someone else. <coughs> Uses that absolutely, absolutely. So, why do you think people are, are? Why should we see people? Why, as worthy objects of the love and grace of God? Why? They're created in His image. Okay, and as as a, an, a being created in God's image, we have a capacity for the eternal that sets us apart. And now we're talking about eternal consequences. So people really are objects of the love and grace of God because they're created in His image, and as such, there is an eternal outcome. There is a destination. Absolutely. Can you think, what's the common thread? The people that you see in the New Testament having influence, what's the one thing they're all doing? They all do this. No exceptions. What's that? Yes, yes, but in terms of an outward behavior... What, what are they doing? What would it be? They live it out. They live it out and they do it with their mouths. They, they're talking. Yeah. And there, there's the rub. They're talking. And as, as you know, you work it out, your, your circus, your monkeys, your pile of elephant stuff. But as for us, we're talking about it. And he said, I command you, you can't talk about this guy. He said, we can't help but talk about what we've seen and heard. It's talking, right? 
So the question is, uh, if you want to have influence, you've got to settle the issue here. Are you willing to talk about Jesus Christ? Are you willing to bring him up in conversations? Are you willing to talk about things that are eternal in nature and that matter? Are you willing to do that? If you're not, then sure, you know, we can, Edie, we can live that, that godly life and people can just watch us and say, you may be the only Bible someone ever reads. Yes, and that has value. But if we never get around to talking about it, something's profoundly missing. Okay. And And that is Christ's esteem. <laughs> God, God was their yeah. audience. Yeah. Yeah. Self-esteem will make you just like the world. Christ's esteem makes you profoundly different from it. So I, when I first started teaching this back uh, several years ago, I had someone here, uh, and they said to me, you know, that, it, and she was wounded. She had a very difficult childhood, and she was kind of blaming God, and I was an easy target. And she said that, uh, she said, Chris, you teach that Christ's esteem gives you an out to be indifferent to people. Because if all you care is about what Jesus thinks, and you don't care about what your folk around you think, then you're just teaching indifference. And I was like, no, that's not at all what I'm saying. And then we worked through that, and of course what I said wasn't good enough. And, uh, but the fact is, when you have Christ esteem, Edie, you're committed to people. In fact, it gives you the ability to have influence because they can't shut you off, just like Peter. Um, I spent an hour and a half with someone yesterday, very, very bright, uh, excellent, you know, IQ, super, super smart. And we spent that hour and a half talking about truth and philosophy and about ethics and about whether or not there's evidence for God. <clears throat> uh, this person is embracing atheism right now. We were finishing it up, uh, and I was sharing my testimony about the God that I know. And they asked me this one question. It was almost like that tender moment in the event when, when that kind of like uh, this real transparent, honest question is going to come out. Not the question of, boy, have I got my guns loaded, and I just want, I want to ask you a question, which means like, I am so ready, you know, to, to lay into you with my question. It was none of that. It was like a child asking dad a question. And they said to me, they asked me, does believing in God make a difference in your life? That's what they want. Isn't that powerful? I thought that was a salient moment. Does believing in God make a difference in your life? And absolutely yes was the answer. So, Steve. <clears throat> talking about the church, like speaking to someone about church isn't the same as talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. As Christians, a lot of times, we, that's where we tend to default. Do you go to church somewhere? And we start a conversation out that way. They say, oh no, well you should come to my church or here's what we do at our church. And all you're drawing them to is your experience with, with the church and the church body, which are good things, but your influence in that regard is going to only go if, if they show up. Like, what do you do? 
they don't show up here, then you have nothing else to speak about. So you have to talk about Christ. You have yes. to talk about the person of Jesus yes. and what he's done in your life and how he's changed you. And then the church is almost just like an automatic thing afterwards if they present to meet more people like you. Yeah. But if you're not willing to talk about Jesus himself and all you're comfortable with is just talking about how good your church is or, yeah. or anything like that, you're, it's, your influence is going nowhere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And what you win people with is what you win them to. You know, you dangle carrots, you attach people, you know, to carrots. And you have to have a bigger carrot than the last one you dangled. And, and it becomes self-defeating. So um, remember, we can't give away what we don't own. So immediately, if you're not, if you don't know Jesus intimately, it's awfully hard to talk about him, right? And that's where we have to settle the issue of, is he worth pursuing and, um, yes, sir. Go back a step. Go back another area. Today, we still have people telling us not to say anything. Oh, yeah. And we have to continue to say what's in our hearts, what's mm-hmm. in true. 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, it's, it's all the same. It'll okay. be 2,000 years from now. Yeah. Somebody will be telling us, don't talk yes. about God. Yes. Don't talk about God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that's that's brilliant, Tom, that you mentioned that the person I spent time with yesterday, I said, why do you think the atheistic community is so bent on proving there's no God? And they and they were they're smart and they said, I know exactly why. I said, what's that? They said, because if there's God, it creates morality, and now we have a problem. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's right and wrong. And, and this person did not like that outcome. <clears throat> now we're getting down to it, right? Isn't that what the root is? <clears throat> there's no God, there's no morality. Or, or the, the moral ethical system is whatever your particular culture says it should be. You know. Well, if he's top of the food chain as far as he's concerned. Yes. He's all that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, California... Look what's going on. They're looking at splitting it up into three separate states. And I think it's, they've had enough signatures, I think. I'm not sure if you're... Have they, Chris? Okay. So, yeah, you know, I'm assuming it's not fake news. Can we believe in anything anymore? Maybe it's all fake. So, uh, yeah, you know, California's divided against itself. Didn't Jesus say something about a kingdom divided against itself can't stand? Wow. wow. I, think, I think, too, is you... Look at Satan's strategy. Because mm-hmm. he's not omnipotent. Because he has to be strategic. Yes. And so we don't have to deny God. We just have to make him so small it doesn't make any difference. It's insignificant, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he goes after the family. Yes. You know, the church. Yes. yes. And uh, um, some reading I've done of just. You know, why, why we don't hear sermons about heaven? Because that's part of Satan's strategy. He doesn't want it talked about because it's the one place he would never go. Mm, interesting. Good. He would Good. never go there. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I yeah. read uh, uh, the, the Great Divorce. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. And yeah. there's, a, he, there's a conversation going on, and he makes a statement in there about hell compared to heaven. It said, hell cannot contain one atom. 
I think of heaven as ever increasing and hell as ever decreasing, mm -hmm. ever, ever, ever compressing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, yeah. he can just give us enough God to make us feel okay until life goes wrong a little bit. We all know that life goes wrong all the time. Mm. And then we have to look, you know, we look ourselves into all the other solutions mm. for that mm. rather than looking to a God who is big, mm. we believed him to be big, mm. and we can endure. And you know, so mm. we're to the place where the church of the world don't look that different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. That, 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 that Matthew, we are the light of the world. You don't, you don't, you don't take a lamp and turn it on and put it in the closet. We're the salt of the earth, yeah. light of the world, absolutely. And those two ideas, Lee, I know you know this, are considered basic household everyday concepts. That's not high level stuff. I think too we're 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 very distracted. You know, when when I was growing up, say, you know, well, way way back, there was thirty minutes of news. That was it. There's news all the time, and and. I think that's part of an agenda of putting forth uh, a world view that you carry it in your pocket now. You know, you pick it up and banner scrolls or whatever, but there's there's that constant barrage of this news that we don't take this news the and offset news. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I forwarded on Instagram a video Produced, it's on the BBC news outlet, and it's about the psychological techniques that are used in all of these apps and all these programs to get you, it's called clickbait, to get you to get onto the app like Facebook and stay on, and to, they want to keep you on it. And it's really, really and I already knew that, but it's great to hear someone else say it. And, and they actually identified the techniques that they're applying the psychological techniques to get you to stay on. For example, the ellipses, those three dots, you know, you're texting and those three dots keep, keep moving. That that, it, there's an intentional psychological design to that. And it creates this, and here's the new, you know, we always have new lingo with every upcoming generation, but the new buzzword that they're using now is is fear of missing out. And you wonder, what, what's about to be texted? I, I gotta keep looking, see, you know, you're still, still looking at your phone, you know. And that's just one of many, many techniques that they're using. Everything from color schemes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, consider this about influence. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The epitome of influence is what Jesus Christ has done for us. And sin destroys. Absolutely. Hmm. Nothing's really changed in, in the Gospels in my, in my um, time to the Lord in the mornings. And I, even way back then, they just, they just wanted to shut Jesus up. Mm -hmm. They knew that the people were seeing the works that he was doing and hearing the word. 
knew they couldn't really fight against that because it was there to be seen and heard. So they just wanted to shut him up. And I think it's no mistake that in our world today, they're not trying to silence other religions. No. no. They're trying to silence Christianity. We're easy pickings. Yeah. We're supposed to be lambs led to the slaughter. Yeah. And you do I that to a Muslim, and what are they going to do? And I think that's significant. To me, that says, when you try that hard to silence something, it's a threat. Sure is. And, and, I, and I, so for me, it's just very significant that it's not, you know, we talk about separation of church and state, but it's not separate. They want to separate state and Christianity. Yeah, yeah. With, with, what's her name, Joy Bear, Bear? Behar, Behunkus, what's her name? Behar. Behar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think she would say, like the stuff she said about Pence, would she say that about, about, about uh, Muslims? No way. No way. She wouldn't do that. I want to uh, call your attention just to one more thing here. Um, men. When you walk over the threshold in your home, you are bringing influence. Just because you came in the room, you're bringing influence. Okay? And this guy, by the way, uh, cocaine was involved. It's a shock. Who would have thunk it? You know. Driving 75 miles an hour with his little boy because, because poor Nathan... Watson didn't think he was man enough to raise a child. Didn't think he was man enough. Where did he get that idea? Where did he get that idea that being a parent is a tough responsibility? Hmm. What about this guy? Viktor Yushchenko and Natalie Dimitrov. That little diminutive sign language lady just decided, you know what? I'm going to tell the truth. And she started, she, she said she refused to sign the lie. <laughs> That's her quote. I refuse to sign the lie. Isn't it great? And when we're at work, when we're having coffee, wherever you are, neighborhood, we don't need to sign the lie. We don't need to, to just kind of play along with the, with, this, with the script that the world keeps scrolling in front of us. And like we, you have to shut up and agree with it or you have to parrot the script so that you blend in. No, we don't. We don't have to blend in. We can, there's such a thing as civil disobedience. Isn't there? By the way, Peter and John are modeling civil disobedience. Do you understand that? That was civil disobedience. They're going against government law because there's a higher law, Randy. This is called hierarchicalism, and Peter and John chose a higher law over man's law. It's civil disobedience. Are we willing to do that? Are you willing to go against the federal government? If it comes down to it. And Chris, this is one person that changed a country. Yeah, 42 million people. 32nd largest country on earth. She, she changed the, the country in whatever time it took to yep. sign the truth. Yeah, and probably that was just a matter of days. I mean, really, you know, a few weeks. Because she, in a, and she made a split-second decision, I will not sign that law. And had that not happened, would we know? Would we even hear her name? No, we wouldn't. No, 
anything about Natalia Dimitruk out of Ukraine. We wouldn't care. She made a split-second decision because of integrity, because of a moral compass. She's going to be a truth-teller. So, man, uh, we don't have to play into the scripting of Facebook, of Fox News, or any, I don't care who it is, care who it is, BBC, CNN. Uh, CNN was nicknamed the Clinton News Network there for a while. We don't have to play in any of that stuff. We don't have to follow the script of the world at all. And we have to settle who we're going to be. Are you going to be God? Or are you going to be man? Uh, I love this. I love this right here. Philippians 2. Among whom you appear as lights in the world. Randy, I know you and, and, and Dave, you and Nedra and Dave and Joni, give your lives to the family, which I have so much respect for. The, the first clause of 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. There's tension here because we as Christians, right? You know, Edie, what do you do? Edie, do, do you just be quiet and not talk about the gospel and live a good life? Or do you talk about the gospel and be a hypocrite? <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? <laughs> Remain silent so you're not a hypocrite and do your best to do a good life. Or speak up about it knowing you're a hypocrite. So Paul, what, what Paul does both. He integrates both. In other words, you appear as lights in the world when you stop grumbling and disputing. Does that make sense? So Lee, you're, you're onto something. You know, just like um, Satan can destroy the whole family by attacking marriage. Okay? Satan can uh, uh, destroy the, the belief of the gospel, the believability of the gospel by getting a church to split, by getting a church to have internal fighting. Does it make sense? If he can get us fighting and grumbling and complaining, whether it's the level of your marriage or, or you at work you know, against your boss, my boss, oh, and you're bad-mouthing your boss, well, at that point, in all likelihood, you know, you're losing ground on credibility if you did speak up about Christ. When we prove ourselves to be blameless and innocent because we choose God over people, we choose Christ's esteem over self-esteem, uh, wow, we are like incredible constellations against a beautiful Mediterranean sky that's just like diamonds on black velvet. It's just amazing. People want to see that. And like that, that really smart med student I talked to Saturday, um, does God really make a difference in your life? Is it worth it to follow him? So. Hey, Chris. Yes, sir. I'm just thinking, uh, what was that lady's name? Natalia Dimitrik, yeah. Okay, so do we happen to know whether she's a believer or not? Good question. I have no idea. So my point is, anybody can have influence. Oh, yes. Yes. It's, it's what you want to influence. Yes. And the outcome. Absolutely. Yeah. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we all have influence. And a lot of it. <laughs> and it, it just depends on what our end yeah. objective is yeah. in the influence we have. 
I don't know that if she's not a believer. I know your point you're trying to make. Just we can't have influence, sure. We can't have influence. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, how that plays into God's plan for lives to be changed for eternity, I'm not sure. But Absolutely. We can all have influence. Absolutely. Exactly right. Exactly right. So. Absolutely. Okay. I want to pray for you. Abba Father, um, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would guide every single person here right now to make the life-changing decision to choose to obey you over people. To choose to make you number one. And to set aside fear of the world, set aside shame and embarrassment that if we speak up about you, we're somehow in trouble or we're somehow rude or intolerant. I ask that we openly speak of you, the things that we have heard, the things that we've seen. Help us to know you and love you with all our hearts and not be ashamed to talk about you. Lord, forgive us for being more committed to Facebook than faith in you. More committed to social media and our own We're more excited about posting our special events and our recreational outings than we are about promoting your kingdom. Abba Father, would you please forgive us for being in the world and being of the world and having no kingdom influence because we're just trying to blend in and just trying to be happy. You are so kind and so loving, but you will hold us one day all to accountability. Every idle word, every silly action will all be accounted for. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, that you took my wickedness and traded it out for his righteousness that I might become righteous in his and his amazing blood for me has forgiven me. Father, please, do your work. Holy Spirit, do your deep work now. In Jesus' name, amen.